Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Well, Crossbridge, welcome this weekend. I'm glad that you're joining us here online. We're continuing our series on perspectives, and uh, it's called A Fresh Look at Christmas. And so far, we've looked at uh, Simeon and Mary, and today we turn our attention to Joseph, the father of Jesus. And a couple months ago, Pastor Kevin Donahoe asked me if I would speak uh, this Christmas season and speak on Joseph. And I was like, sure, I would love to. I've actually never spoken on Joseph. And uh, come to find out, though, as I began to read my New Testament, there's not very many stories at all about Joseph. And I was kind of surprised to find out that Joseph doesn't say anything in the New Testament, not a word. And I was like, how do you preach a message about a guy who doesn't say anything? I was like, thanks, Donahoe, I've been set up. But the, but the truth is, right, Joseph doesn't necessarily have to speak for us to see his perspective on Christmas. We know enough through the story to see his actions and his thoughts related to Christmas. And really, that's what I want to talk about today is this idea of perspective. I looked up perspective in the dictionary, and it has this definition. It says, perspective is a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. You see, perspective is the way we think about something or some person or event or, or ourselves. And this is why it matters, right? Your attitude, the way you think about things, the way you regard it, it impacts your actions. Perspective guides your actions. And your actions begin to write the story of your life. So in, in case the internet drops out or you get bored and you start scrolling on your device, let me just tell you the big idea, right? From the beginning, right? God is interested and a long-term project in your life, the development of your character so that you would look more like Jesus. And the only way that God is going to be able to get there in the development of your character is if he helps form your perspective. If you grow into a godly perspective, if you, if you see things from his point of view, if you understand and see things from his perspective, the Bible says this, it says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have, and this is really the important part, the mind of Christ. And see, you can increasingly develop, you can grow in the ability to see things the way Jesus sees them, to see the way God sees things, his point of view, to think like he thinks. So today, we're going to dive into the story of Joseph. Uh, we're going to look at how his character shifts and grows and how his perspective changes. So let's read this story today. It comes from the, the book of Matthew. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid 
to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I'd like us to pray as we dive into this story. Father, it's our hope that these words, that this story would impact us today. God, that you'd use them to speak to us in the busyness and the stress and the uncertainty of these days that we're living in right now. God, we pray that your spirit would come and settle in right next to us so that we could hear from you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, the beginning of the story starts with news. It starts with really bad news. Joseph learns that the woman that he was engaged to be married to is pregnant. But Joseph knows it's not his baby. And so he plans to divorce Mary quietly. And that just really means that he's not going to bring any charges against her in religious court. It's kind of easy for us to skip over this part of the story and not really put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. And really to, to not think about his point of view or his perspective. You see, we have the benefit of knowing the end of the story. We know that Jesus was God in the flesh. We know what Jesus did. We know that he changed the course of human history. But in this moment, Joseph doesn't know all of that. He simply knows that the woman that he's engaged to is pregnant and the baby is not his. Have you ever received news that took your breath away? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe news that is unexpected. It takes you back a little bit. It disorients you for a moment. It causes your stomach to tighten. Maybe your, your knees get weak. Your head maybe begins to swim. Your breath gets a little shallow and more rapid. That kind of news. In those moments, our life plans are put on pause. Pastor Kevin Hancock spoke a few weeks ago and he used this word called disruption. And he talked about the reality that there has been a disruption in our society. And for some of you, there has been an even greater disruption in your life this year. You see, it's in those moments when the life plan is disrupted, it's put on pause, we receive news, bad news, that we begin to ask the question, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do with this news that I've received? And that's right where Joseph was. Now let's go back to the story after Joseph finds out what's happening. He says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. There's no doubt that Joseph's point of view, his perspective on the situation was that this is a problem. Mary, the pregnancy, the baby, were all a problem. And his answer was to walk away. You see, the issue, though, is up to this point, Joseph has just been thinking about everything from his own perspective, from a human point of view. He, he hasn't begun to think about it from God's perspective, from his point of view. Joseph's perspective is limited. All of ours is. 
And we even know enough because we have the benefit of knowing how the story ends to say that Joseph's perspective was actually backward. When I was in college, some buddies and I decided to go on a skiing trip, and we did not have much money, as you might imagine, with a bunch of college guys. And so by the time we figured out how much it would cost us to get transportation to Colorado, to rent a house to stay in, to get lift tickets, uh, we didn't have much money left. And none of us had very good ski gear. Um, And so, you know, we were like cobbling together whatever pants and socks and gloves and coats and hats we had. And uh, we were like three, four layers deep on several of our clothing just to stay warm out there. We were a sight to behold on the slopes of Colorado. But as we were preparing, I was looking at all my gear and I was laying it out and I was looking at my gloves and my glove game was a little weak. Uh, The gloves were big and bulky but they weren't warm. And so I was like, this is going to be a problem, especially because I'm going to be on the ground a lot. (laughs) And so I was like, I got to figure out my my glove thing and I got to figure it out cheaply. And so one of my buddies suggested that I go and get really like cheap gloves from Walmart, dollar gloves that like kids wear. And I was like, score, right? So I was like, sweet, I can put those on and then I can put the big glove on over it, right? So I went to Walmart, got my dollar gloves. I was golden, fit great. And so I headed home to show my parents just how resourceful of a college young guy I was and how I could do things cheaply and smartly. So I get home and I put on the glove, except when I put on the glove at home, the webbing between the thumb and the index finger wouldn't go down. And I was like, this is so weird because at Walmart, this glove fit perfectly. It somehow transformed on the way home. And so being the big dummy I am, I was like, well, well, I'll just problem solve this bad boy, right? So I got some scissors and just, you know, snipped a little bit in there and uh, scared. I don't want to cut my, my fingers here. So I, I snipped a hole in between there and I was like, okay, that works, right? Like, so now I've got this webbing to fit down between my thumb and my index finger. And I was like, John Pickens, you're a brilliant man. So we get to Colorado and we are pumped and we're like getting ready to hop out of the van and uh, run into the house. And so I grab my cheap gloves and I throw them on real quick. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And I'm like, oh man, this glove fits great again. And I look down and I'm like, Oh, there's a hole between my pinky and my fourth finger. I put the glove on backwards when I got back from Walmart and I cut a hole and it was on both gloves and perfectly good gloves, right? How many of us, if we're honest, do that, right? Like we see from our perspective, our point of view, but it's totally flipped around with the way God sees it. Like we're so consumed and we can only see it a certain way and we're convinced we're correct. But God's seeing the situation the entirely opposite way that we're seeing it. You see, what if Joseph was seeing his situation the opposite of God? What if this whole thing wasn't a problem and it wasn't something to be resisted? The pregnancy, Mary, the baby. What if instead of a problem, this was a blessing to be embraced? Well, let's go back to the story. It says, as he considered this, talking about Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from 
their sins. You see, the angel gives clear and simple directions to Joseph in the midst of this dream. The angel tells Joseph that he doesn't need to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. The baby, in fact, is a miracle baby. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph learns that the baby's going to be a boy. Gender reveal before they were cool, right? And Joseph learns that he's supposed to name the baby Jesus, that Jesus will save his people from their sins. All of this is good news, very good news. And this news allows Joseph to see the pregnancy, to see Mary, to see the baby from a different perspective. Joseph is able to see from God's perspective and see what God is up to in the situation. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but the interesting thing is that Joseph had a choice in that moment, whether to embrace this new perspective or to reject it. Would he take on God's point of view or would he hold on to his. You see, Joseph didn't have any reason to believe this was true. I mean, if we're honest and we put ourselves, we have the benefit of knowing the story, but if we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, this is just a crazy dream. It's really crazy that this baby was somehow miraculously conceived. The angel shows up and says, oh, you don't have any reason to doubt Mary and her faithfulness. It's sort of out of this world stuff. Joseph could have easily rejected this news. He didn't have to believe it. He didn't have to embrace it. He didn't have to see the situation from God's perspective. And if we hit pause for a second and we think about our lives, this is the exchange that we're invited to make over and over and over again in our lives to trade our perspective for God's perspective. To to not merely see from a human point of view, but to see from God's point of view. In Romans, it says this. It says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You see, when we allow God's Spirit to infuse our minds, to help us see the way that God sees, to take on his point of view, his perspective, we receive life. We receive peace. If we're honest, though, there's a tension there, isn't there? There's a tension between our perspective and God's perspective. Pastor Kevin Donahoe has called this the the upper story and the lower story. The upper story is God's point of view, his perspective on things. The lower story is our day-to-day lives, and it's what we are mostly consumed with. And God invites us not simply to see the events and the relationships and the happenings of our lower story life, but to, to transcend that and to see our lives through the lens of the upper story, to, to see from God's perspective up here. The problem is we're really stubborn. (laughs) We love our perspective. Some of us have fallen in love with our perspective and we don't want to let it go. We hold on to it so tightly. Uh, When I was in in college, my brother and I, my oldest brother, Steve, he's 13 years older than me. He's the oldest and I am the youngest. 
and he and I worked for about six months on my parents' house. They had this massive home remodeling project. We took a three-bay garage that had a second story that was unfinished, and we finished the whole second story. We made, we made a, an apartment up there with a living room and a full bathroom, and we finished off one bay and connected it to the house, and major renovation in the house. And we knew a fair amount about construction, but we learned a lot more, mostly by mistakes while we were working on it. And I remember one day, we're, we're upstairs in the garage, uh, what would become the apartment, and we're trying to frame out a window, and we need to put a header over the window so things will be stable and sturdy. It's kind of a big deal. And so he and I were in this argument, as you might imagine, oldest and youngest, right? And we both were pretty convinced we were right. And so we, we argued and we talked, and it was probably honestly about 30 minutes. Neither of us were going to let go of our point of view or our perspective, and we were just going at it. Finally, I got older brother to let it go, and he said, fine, we'll do it your way, Johnny. And he calls me Johnny. Hey, Johnny, we'll do it your way. But I want it to go down in history that this will not work. And you know what? We did it my way. And it worked. I still remember, Steve. But that's not the point. I still remember that because it was so funny because both of us were so entrenched in our point of view. We were not relenting. And his words, I want it to go down in history. How many of us, if we're honest, say the same thing to God? I want it to go down in history that my way is right and we do not want to relent. We don't want to see things from God's point of view. We don't want to embrace his way of seeing our lives. You see, we don't let go of our perspectives easily. Sometimes we get stuck and sometimes we choose to stay stuck in our point of view and our perspective. I was thinking about this this week and I was like, why, why do we do that? Like, why, why do we just stay stuck? Why do we choose to stay stuck at times? And I think there's two words that really sum it up for my life and they both begin with the, the letter P. The, fir- the first word is, pride. You see, in order for us to accept a different perspective, we have to be willing to admit that our way may not be the right way, that there's a different way of seeing the situation, maybe one that's more true, more hopeful, but we really don't like to be wrong. We don't like to admit that we could be in error, and pride raises its head. C.S. Lewis said that pride is like spiritual cancer. You see, pride eats away at our soul. And before we realize it, we're living a life alienated from God because we're not accepting or embracing or even open to his perspective. You see, pride can push us away from thinking about or embracing God's perspective. The second P word is pain. For those who have encountered significant pain, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, there's a fear that if we embrace God's perspective, His point of view, that somehow it's going to trivialize or minimize, maybe even dismiss our pain. We want so badly for God to validate the pain and the suffering of our lives. We want Him to name it for evil and we want Him to do something about it. And He will and He has. But for those of us with pain, sometimes we just get stuck there and we stay stuck. Pain can hinder us from seeing from God's point of view and embracing his perspective. 
You see, just like Joseph, you and I have the choice on a regular basis whether we are going to embrace and accept God's point of view, His, perce- his perspective. Are we going to embrace it or are we going to reject it? Are we going to look at this from our human perspective or are we going to consider how God might see this? And if we're honest, pride and pain can keep us from seeing things the way that God does. Let's go back to Joseph one more time and wrap up the story. At the end of the story, it says this, when Joseph woke up, I love that, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You see, Joseph's perspective is now totally different. Joseph embraces God's point of view on the situation. And now this pregnancy, this baby, this woman that he was engaged to be married to, it shifted from being a problem to being a blessing, a gift from God himself. And now that he has this new perspective on the situation, his actions are different too. He no longer wants to walk away. He doesn't need to leave. In fact, we would even say those actions don't make any sense with this new perspective. Now that Joseph has this new perspective, he has to act differently. He cannot leave. The choice is obvious. He has to stay. He has to take ownership for the gift. He has to protect the gift. And so he does. Joseph takes Mary as his wife. He names Jesus, which in essence is him adopting Jesus, taking ownership and responsibility for Jesus. It's a complete turn of events overnight, and God's point of view changed everything for Joseph. It changed how he saw the situation. It changed how he related to his wife. It changed the way he viewed the baby, and it changed his very future life. A good friend of mine often talks about the change that Jesus made in his life. And I love to hear him talk about how Jesus has changed his life because it is so real to him. Our our small group was at his house one time and he took us over to a wall that that was full of pictures. He said, I want you to see this picture first. And so we looked at the picture and honestly, in the picture, he looks angry. His brows are furrowed, his jaw is tight. He just looks really upset. And then he took us over and he goes, I want to show you this picture. And it was later in life and, and he's smiling, his eyebrows are raised and it seems like he has a joy to him. And he said, the thing I want you to know and the thing that is very important to me why I'm showing you these pictures is that first picture was my life before Jesus. And the second picture is my life after Jesus. And the people that knew me know that my life so changed that they could see it on my very face. And in case we thought he was overemphasizing, his wife was standing behind him going, yes, he's not lying, he's telling the truth. It was that drastic of a change in his life that you could see it on the very countenance of his face. You see, I don't know that I've ever seen it that real in life, but the truth is, when God comes into our minds, when God comes into our hearts and we begin to see how he sees When we take on his point of view, when we take on his attitude, it changes us. It works into our hearts and out into our lives. And this is the truth, right? We need God's perspective in our lives. We know that. We need his help to see things accurately. 
Crossbridge, you need the mind of Christ in your life. A person that's watching this and maybe your life is a mess and you don't know what is happening. You don't know about church. You don't know about Christianity. You don't even know really how you ended up on this video. You need the mind of Christ. Because as you see from his perspective, as you begin to embrace his point of view, it's going to change you. It will change your actions. It will change your reality. We know we need God's point of view. We know we need his perspective, his way of seeing our relationships, the events, the happenings in our lives. Thinking about this this week, I just began to list the things that we need God's help with. We, we need his perspective as we think about ourselves. Without God's perspective on us, how do we know how we're doing? How do we know the purpose we're called to fulfill on this earth? How do we know how to spend the breath and the days that are given to us without God's point of view? We're lost. We need his perspective on ourselves. We need God's perspective in our relationships. How do we love the people in our lives, our spouses, our kids, our family, our friends, our coworkers, how do we love them without selfish motives if we don't embrace God's point of view, His perspective? It's only through God's help that we are able to become the loving people that He calls us to be. We need God's perspective for the suffering in our lives. Honestly, the world will, will at best tell you your suffering is meaningless. And so we need God's help to see the pain and the suffering in our lives through this lens of redemption and how He can write a new story, how He can redeem it and make it new. We need God's perspective in our work. And we need to know that our work matters. It carries meaning. And meaning that's greater than just building a bank account or enjoying our time. We need God's view that our work is intended to reach people for Him that there's a missional bent to our work. We need God's perspective in our failures and our successes. We need his point of view and to remember that we are neither the sum total of our failures or our successes. That, that our identity is firmly rooted as his children. And we could go on and on and on in every area of our lives. But you already know in your heart and your mind you need God's perspective. You need that point of view. Because when you don't, you make a mess of things. We all do. And so the invitation today is to become people who see differently. To become people who, who like Joseph, would hear God. That we'd embrace his perspective. That we would allow our actions to follow from that perspective. Very quickly, I want to provide some practical steps to developing this more godly perspective in your life. We're going to blaze through them, so get ready. First, if you're a Christian, you've been given the Holy Spirit. So be open to the Spirit's work in your life. The book of Ephesians says this, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Second, do a noise inventory in your life. We have way too much noise in our lives. It is social media, news itself, entertainment. And let's just call it what it is. Most of it is from a godless perspective. It has nothing to do with God's point of view. And so don't put that noise in your brain. Let it go. The third thing, instead of putting that noise in your brain, bring in the Word of God. 
Scripture tells us you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How are we going to have his attitude if we don't know what he did? We have all kinds of examples that show us what it looks like to have the attitude of Christ. So just read the stories of Jesus. The the fourth thing is sit in the presence of God. Maybe that looks like silence or prayer, journaling, music, nature, art. It doesn't really matter. Connect with God. Connect with His Spirit. And then lastly, find some friends. People that embrace this godly point of view. That want to grow in a godly perspective. Invite them to challenge you. Invite them to speak into your life as you both try to, to grow in that perspective that godly perspective. You see, Joseph didn't say anything that's recorded in the Bible. But honestly, he didn't have to because we can see his perspective through his actions. St. Francis' quote is saying, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. I think that's a fitting quote for Joseph. Through his actions, we see what can happen when we see things from God's perspective. Our lives and the lives of those around us are forever changed. In an incredibly noisy world, we could stand to have a few more Josephs. Men and women who will humble themselves to listen and to truly consider God's perspective. Our band, our worship team is going to come now. They're going to sing a song for us. And there are so many powerful lines in this song of surrender and release. But one set of lines stood out to me. And you can, you can almost see Joseph in these lines. It says this, It felt like a burden. But once I could grasp it, you took me further. Further than I was asking. You see, God did that for Joseph. It felt like a burden. But once God opened his eyes... He could see it was the very thing God was using to help him make him into the person that he was calling him to be. You see, God wants to develop you. He wants to take you further. He wants you to increasingly think like, see like, act like Jesus. Where in your life this Christmas season do you need God's perspective? I want to invite you to set aside your pride, to bring your pain, and to trust God. Seek His perspective on your life today. Let's lean in to what God's doing in our lives. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.